Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. We are back again today, and I'm here with my guest. Why don't you introduce us to yourself and tell us about high-demand religion or cult you left behind? Hi there. My name is Riley, and I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. Awesome. It's great to have you here today. And now, what made you want to leave Jehovah's Witnesses' faith? Well, I didn't leave voluntarily. I was actually what the witnesses call disfellowshipped, which is very similar to excommunication. But about a year and a half after that, I actually started researching the religion and realized that it wasn't true. And that's when I stopped being a believer. So now what made you want to research that it wasn't true? Because obviously you still kind of had the possibility that it was, was true. So what made you want to research that it wasn't true? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I spent a year and a half um, believing that it was was still true. And the Jehovah's Witness religion is very apocalyptic. You know, you grow up hearing that the end is just around the corner. You know, Armageddon could come at any time now. So for anyone who is out of the religion but still believes, it's a really horrible existence because you're expecting to to be executed by God by, you know, in this fiery... <laughs> fiery apocalypse you're expecting that to happen at any moment so i spent a year and a half you know believing that that was my fate and then just totally by chance one day i was scrolling through facebook and i came across an old friend and her profile picture was of a t-shirt that had the word apostate on it and in the jehovah's witness religion an apostate is like the worst thing that you could possibly be it's like you're the next level down from a demon. <laughs> you're like a demon in human form if you're an apostate. You know, so I was I was really confused as to why she would self-identify as an apostate by wearing a t-shirt that had the word apostate on it. But I was very, very afraid as well because you, you have that fear of apostates and what they say drummed into you. You know, right from, I mean, if you're born into the religion, right from a child upwards. You have this, you know, morbid dread of apostates and what they can do to you if you listen to them. I was really confused about why she would call herself that. And it just stuck in my mind and I just couldn't couldn't get that question out of my mind. So one day I decided that I was going to, you know, go back onto her page and look at some of the stuff she'd been saying. And I did. And then one thing led to another and I just started researching religion, just, you know, basically just testing the religion's most fundamental claims to see if they held up to scrutiny and they didn't. They all fell flat. And now how has it been since you've discovered that it isn't true and how have you dealt with that? It's been a long journey and it's still ongoing. It's It hasn't been easy at all, especially at the very beginning. I felt, at first I felt, I'd say, grief. I felt a kind of grief right at, at the beginning because I realized that my whole worldview had to change. And I suddenly didn't understand the world anymore. I mean, I never did, <laughs> but I thought I did. But now I came to realize that I knew absolutely nothing about the world and the way it works. And I realized that we don't have this safety net. I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses don't get involved in. They, they, they don't 
actively try to make the world a better place because they feel that after Armageddon, God is going to do all of that. So they're very, very separate from all the issues going on in the world. So I suddenly felt like a huge sense of responsibility to to leave this world in a better state than in which I found it, <laughs> you know, to contribute positively to society, whereas witnesses don't do any of that. It just made me feel as well that we don't have this safety net of don't worry about the environment because God is going to sort that out. Don't worry about this issue because God is going to fix everything. You know, that was a bit frightening, to be honest. It was quite frightening. After feeling grieved and, you know, this sense of responsibility, there were some times where I felt a sense of relief as well. Now I'm not going to die in Armageddon because Armageddon isn't a thing. <laughs> you know, so I felt relief. But I also felt a bit scared as well because I had to face the concept of growing old and dying, which is something that I'd never contemplated before. I mean, I contemplated dying, but I never, ever thought that I would grow old. You know, witnesses are taught that after Armageddon, you know, the earth is going to be turned into a paradise and everyone will live forever. We'll all have everlasting life. You'll age until about the age of 30. And then when you hit the age of 30, roughly, you'll just stop aging and you'll just stay like that forever. Yeah, getting old is something that I never ha had to contemplate. So that was absolutely terrifying. And that's something I still struggle with right up until today. Aging really scares me. The, the thought that one day I'll be old and frail absolutely terrifies me. That scares me more than dying. Yeah. Also, world defense and politics. I mean, like with this thing that's going on in the Ukraine with uh, Russia at the moment, that's something that gives a little bit of anxiety, you know, because witnesses look at these things as being fulfillment of prophecy and, and signs that the end is very close. And although I no longer consciously believe that, there is some kind of subliminal residual fear when things like this happen, you know, especially like ma major conflicts in the world. Yeah, so still ongoing. I'm not completely, and maybe I never will be completely rid of the doctrine and the indoctrination it's a it's an ongoing process so now since you've discovered that it isn't true and you've completely stepped away have you had any negative repercussions from that like family not talking to you what's that look like for you i've lost all of my immediate family that are still witnesses they no longer speak to me my mother and four children and all of my childhood friends as well, the ones that are still in the religion, I have no contact with them whatsoever. Yeah. And, that, and that's tough. And now, what are some of the positives that have come out of leaving? A lot. <laughs> I'm in a, a wonderful new relationship. I, got, I actually got married in December, early December. I know, I now know what a real loving relationship is supposed to look like. You know, relationships, whether it's romantic relationships or familial relationships or friendships in the Jehovah's Witness religion are all conditional. They're all contingent that you believe the same thing. That isn't real and genuine love uh, as far as I'm concerned. And I, I now know that. So that, that's one positive. Also, I'm growing in my self-confidence i've never really been i'm not naturally a confident person but 
the doctrines of the religion actually beat confidence out of you. You're constantly told that you're not good enough, that you're not doing enough, that you're not supposed to take credit for your achievements and things like that. So it, it really does grind a person's confidence down. But now that I'm out of that, I'm actually learning to be, become more confident and to take pride in my achievements and, and congratulate myself, you know, which is, which is a new thing. <laughs> it's a completely new thing for me. So that's good. Also, I've, you know, made great improvements in my career. You know, most uh, witnesses have very low paid menial jobs so that they can spend more time in activities relating to the religion. Yeah, so that's another positive as well. Yeah, there's many positives. Oh, celebrating Christmas and birthdays. <laughs> that has been absolutely great. I absolutely love Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas. And celebrating birthdays, I love as well. But I do find it difficult in the sense that I'm not used to having so much attention being directed towards me. Loving attention and appreciation. It's something, it feels very foreign. I, I like it, <laughs> I enjoy it, but it's going to take a long time for me to get used to it. So now you are in another relationship. Is your current partner Jehovah's Witness, ex-Jehovah's Witness, or like, was she like never Jehovah's Witness? And you mentioned having children that no longer talk to you, so they must still be Jehovah's Witnesses, correct? That's correct. Yeah, my wife was, was never a Jehovah's Witness. So how has it been getting in a relationship with her where she's never been Jehovah's Witness and she doesn't quite understand all this and maybe doesn't understand like maybe why you're so bitter and why Christmas is kind of like odd for you and all that interesting stuff? But she, she's been absolutely amazing. She's been so understanding and so supportive. When I look back to like the early stages of our relationship, I honestly do wonder how she was able to stay with me because I was a very different person then. I was still very, very hurt and traumatized by, excuse me, by the things I went through, you know, in the religion and also on my way out of it as well. Yeah, it, it, they had very, very negative impacts on my personality. So it never ceases to amaze me how she was able to see through all of that as he passed all of that and see what kind of person I would be like after I'd healed from that trauma, which is something that I'll, I'll forever be grateful for. But in terms of coming to grips with, you know, how being a Jehovah's Witness has, has affected me, she's been so understanding, really, really understanding. You know, it, it, it's uh, deconstructing you know, that, that indoctrination isn't something that I've been doing by myself. You know, since I started, you know, waking up from it, she's been there with me every step of the way. Now, you've mentioned that you've seen advancements in your career since you've left. Can you talk to us about how that's been, like what you what advancements you've seen and how it's benefited your life? Yeah, sure. You know, I've just, I've been able to expand my skills. I, I've been able to become self-employed which has been a dream of mine for a very, very long time. 
it was something that was very difficult to do while still being a Jehovah's Witness for various different reasons. Not that there aren't Jehovah's Witnesses who are self-employed. There are many. In the field that I work in, which is IT, it's quite demanding. And being a Jehovah's Witness, you're, you're always told that you're not supposed to have a career. Being a Jehovah's Witness is your career. You know, you're supposed to just have a job that supports you in your career of being a Jehovah's Witness. Being able to devote more time to investing in myself where my career is concerned, you know, that has made a huge difference. It's made a huge difference to learning new skills and also, you know, increasing my earning potential as well. And now, you obviously live in a different country than I do, so maybe the terminology is a little bit different. How was it for you when you were an active Jehovah's Witness, being a person of color? And again, I apologize if that's not the correct terminology they use where you are located. That's terminology we use over here in the United States. So, Oh, that's fine, yeah. Here's the thing. <laughs> While I was a Jehovah's Witness, I didn't see being a person of color as an issue at all. But now that I've left and I've started researching the origins of the religion and some of their early teachings and also how those early teachings have impacted the religion culturally right up until today, it's very, very problematic, extremely problematic. You know, while I was a witness, I, I didn't see any evidence of bias or prejudice or, or racism at a systemic organizational level. I, ne I never saw that. But now looking back on it and seeing, seeing the subtleties of it, it, it is definitely there. And what are some of those things that you've noticed since you've left that you didn't notice before? So the Jehovah's Witness organization is, is very much a monoculture. There's a lot of diversity. It's an extremely diverse religion. It's probably one of the most, if not the most, diverse denominations of Christianity in the world. But they really try to make everybody uniform culturally. And a lot of the diversity is just for show because it, it looks good the organization produces a lot of media material a lot of videos a lot of books brochures and magazines and they love depicting diverse groups of jehovah's witnesses they, they absolutely love that because it looks good and it's attractive but actually inside the organization they don't want people to be to be culturally diverse. They just want people, they, they, they like the appearance of diversity, but it's only very, very at a surface level. Like, uh, for instance, there was a video that they produced recently, which kind of like told a story of an African-American man who was introduced to the witnesses when they knocked on his door in the door-to-door -door preaching work, and he gradually started studying the Bible with them. And then, by the end of the video, he became a Jehovah's Witness himself. Now, at the beginning of the video, he had dreadlocks. And by like midway through, his dreadlocks were gone because 
that's that's a part of your cultural identity that you can't carry forward into being a Jehovah's Witness. It's things like that. And now, did you grow up as Jehovah's Witness? And if so, how did purity culture harm you? Yeah, I did grow up as a Jehovah's Witness. So I'm very aware that I have opinions that are not fit for purpose in the modern world where sex and relationships are concerned. Jehovah's Witnesses are extremely judgmental, very, very judgmental. And it's been very, very difficult recognizing that within myself and undoing that, especially where male-female dynamics are concerned as well. It's a very misogynistic organization. Women are not allowed to have positions of responsibility. You know, you're told that that men are supposed to be the leaders. Men are the heads of the house, you know, which is a whole nother <laughs> can of worms, which, which is very, very harmful. But yeah, growing up with that, that those kind of values being instilled in, in you and then coming into the world and realizing those mindsets aren't going to work, you know, it's not easy making that adjustment. And now what are three tips you have for people looking to leave a high-demand religion or cult? The first thing I, w- I would say is research the group that you're in and research the group that you're in outside of the information resources that the group restri- restricts you to look into. It's a common feature of cults and high-demand groups that they restrict your sources of information. If they do that, it's for a reason, you know. So I would say definitely do your research using independent sources because if they don't want you to do that, it's because there are things out there that they don't want you to find. If an organization punishes you for thinking differently to the to the mainstream or from having different beliefs or, or, or different opinions, then it's not benign. It's not a benign group. It's harmful. And that that should be an immediate red flag. That about covers it. Well, it's been great having you on it and have a great night. Thank you, Andrew. (laughs) Thanks again for joining us today. As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.